0: in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was a boy, if you wanted to turn the channel, you actually had to get up off the couch, walk over to the TV, and turn the channel. Sometimes if you were lazy, you wouldn't do anything. You would just deal with whatever was on TV. About six o'clock every night, Uh, Between 6 and 7, the local and international news played, and the networks ABC, NBC, and CBS vied for your attention. They're pretty much the same story, the same experts, often the same guests, and the same facts. At our house, we were an ABC family. We watch World News Tonight. Peter Jennings read the news from 1983 until 2005, and we trusted him. During the same time, Dan Rather was on CBS and Tom Brokaw sat behind the desk at NBC. Somewhat different personalities, but all pretty much the same. Then came cable news, the internet, our Facebook feed, and the ability to read and watch any broadcast from anywhere on the planet. But it isn't just news that we hear. We also hear opinions from talk show hosts and culture, religion. We hear from Experts and authorities that say completely different things about the same objective fact. Of course, everyone has an opinion, but how do you discern truth when, all, when we're all subject to these different voices? So many voices. They're ringing in our ears. And what about my own voice? <laughs> Is it to be trusted? Am I telling the truth? Or am I simply telling myself stories in the narrative that I want to hear? A lot of people say that they're tellers of truth. We take oaths in court. We take oaths in private. We say to one another things like, I swear to God. And yet, perhaps like most of you, I've been noticing something. Unlike Jesus, when we hear someone say something like, well, if I'm going to be honest, or truth be told, or something else, or ending the statement by saying something like, it's true, true, true. It seems to me like a con, as if what they're saying has no credibility at all, so they have to surround the statement with the word true. Beware of that kind of speech. You know, as a Dominican friar, for 800 of our collective years of history, we have been searching for truth. The Latin word veritas is our motto, where we get the word verily from, and very, for that matter. So that when I hear that word in scripture, my ears perk up as a seeker of veritas, as a seeker of truth. When we hear truth, amen, verily, very truly, you know the next thing that's coming after that is a big statement and a key point. When you have time, you might find it a a wonderful devotional exercise to read and study and meditate upon the places in scripture where Jesus says verily or truly or very truly. The word appears 113 times in the Bible, both in the Old and in the New Testament, much more in the New Testament, as you might uh, think, and a lot, 25% of the whole is in the Gospel of John. And isn't it funny that in our text today, it appears twice, where Jesus says, very truly, or sometimes translated, amen, amen, or truly, truly, "Verily, Verily." but I'll get back to that in a minute. You know, a New Testament professor of mine in seminary days always made this a really big point to us. If within the passage of scripture that you're preaching, he said, the word verily pops up, you better deal with this. It's as if our Lord has highlighted, circled, underlined this, and you know what's going to be said next is super important. And again, as I said, this, thing, these, this phrase, verily, uh, appears twice in our passage today. So let's look at them real quick. They're really two sides of the same coin. Jesus introduces a metaphor, and then he says he's that thing. I'm going to read both of the two verses, the verily verses, back to back, and I want you just to listen again. He says, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Verse 1 and verse 7 of John 10. And the gospel writer tells us that Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders here, and they really have no idea what he's talking about. But I can't underscore, I can't emphasize, I can't underline this enough. The emphasis here that you see in verse 7, Jesus not only emphasizes it by saying truly, truly, but he uses the Greek tense, the emphatic, when he says, I am the gate for the sheep. I am the gate for the sheep. Jesus emphasizes that. and another practice, you might take a look at reading the I am statements of Jesus. And he not only says it here, but just a couple verses uh, further down from where our passage today ends. Jesus also, in the emphatic, with emphasis, says, I am the good shepherd. He's making a clear distinction here between the Pharisees and himself. He is the gate. They are the thieves and robbers. He is the good shepherd. They're failing at their job as shepherds. So what does the Lord, the shepherd, do that these other shepherds are supposed to be doing that are failing at? Well, Psalm twenty three, our Psalm for today, tells us our shepherd, the good shepherd, leads us beside still waters. He lays us down in green pastures, he restores our soul. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And when we are going through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to worry because he is with us. Okay, well then how does something become true? Well, sometimes the etymology of a word can be super helpful. In English, this is demonstrated by the word truth and, truth, truth and trust coming from the same root. What is it to trust something? Well, it's something that inspires confidence and faith and has been proven time and time again to be trustworthy and therefore true. It is constant and tested. It's as if to say to a chair. What makes it truly a chair? Well, it's a true chair when it proves itself to be a chair. I can sit in it. It functions as it should. It's a true chair. We used to use this language often when we might describe somebody's heart. He is so true-hearted. He has a true heart, or his faith is true, or she is truly courageous. It's real and trustworthy. So we can know truth, we can know the voice of truth by its constancy, its historical credibility. Then, going back to the voice again, and in the context of our gospel lesson, Jesus uses the images of sheep who know the voice of the shepherd, who have earned his trust. Now, because I am more of a phone person, not as much a texter or an emailer, though I'm getting there, I'm really good at telling who I'm talking to on the phone, About three or four words into the conversation. Maybe you can do that too. You see, we recognize the voice of the person, well, because we talk to them often. We have a relationship with them. We know not only the sound of their voice, but what they're going to say and how they're going to say it. And certainly, this must be a clue to us. In discerning God's voice, in listening to all the other voices, doesn't it follow that we will be able to distinguish one from the other if we know that voice, if we spend time with that voice, and if we have a relationship with it? The sheep knew the voice of their shepherd and would follow only him because they had a relationship with it with him. So that's the point here. To know God and to get to know God. He knows you, but do you really know him? If you don't, you won't hear his voice, and you won't recognize it. We certainly hear his voice in the sacraments and in his word, and yet, I'm going to use a phrase here that people don't often hear of in the Episcopal Church, and I think the reason why is because in other branches of the Jesus movement, it makes us nervous. My question for you is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Do you spend time with him? Do you talk to him? Is he a presence like that in your life? This, I would suggest to you, is a certain way that you will be able to judge truth from error. To hear his voice and to know the voice of Jesus comes from knowing him, to be in a good relationship with him. This is the reason why God came to earth and died and rose, to be reconciled to you and to be with you. How strange would it be if a really important person came to your house to visit? Think of it. Maybe a political figure, royalty, a celebrity, left their home to visit you because they wanted to get to know you. And when they got there, you ignored them. It brings to mind a famous picture uh, called The Light of the World from the 19th century painter William Hunt, where Jesus stands in a beautiful light, knocking at the door, waiting for you. And finally, the way we can be sure that we are hearing the right voice is by asking whether or not it lines up with the kingdom of God. The verse from the sixth chapter of Matthew comes to mind, Seek ye first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you as well. Okay, so what does the kingdom look like? If we find it reflected, then there is truth in God's voice. So it looks like things like this, when we see the poor being taken care of, when we see no exploitation on the basis of class or race or gender, etc. Certainly when there's care for the earth, when Peace is proclaimed when the fruits of the Spirit are there. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. When these things are present, friend, the true kingdom is there. When these things are in view, God's voice can be discerned. So listen to that voice. Is it demonstrating the values of the kingdom of God? That is how God's voice can be discerned from others and by knowing him and by understanding what truth is. And so, beloved, I pray that each of us this week might listen closely to the voice of God and get to know it well. Spend time with him so that when others claim to be speaking truth, you can discern whether or not it is Verily true. St. Mary, Our Lady, pray for us. St. Augustine of Hippo in Canterbury, pray for us. St. Dominic de Guzman, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.